Well, we're in week two of our series called Life's Healing Choices. Uh, yesterday, I started coaching my son's basketball team. Uh, coaching is one of my favorite things to do. I love sports. It's been a great experience so far in baseball. Uh, baseball is somewhat of a simple sport. It's a slow sport. Uh, it's, able, it's, it's easier to, to coach in, in that sport. Uh, soccer has been great for us. We've had some successful uh, seasons in soccer. Not a lot of rules. Uh, don't use your hands. Kick the ball in the goal, and usually uh, that goes pretty well. Uh, basketball is a different uh, animal. Uh, it is high-paced. It is loud and chaotic. And uh, I, I have this idea that I would be able to kind of control that. I had this idea uh, that through practice, I would be able to instruct my players how to play the game of basketball. And we had a plan going into our game yesterday. And then I don't know if you know a lot about basketball, but uh, there's a, at the beginning, they, there's a tip-off. And so they, they fill the ball up in the air, and they, they, uh, two players tip the ball to someone. And then after that, it was just chaos. Uh, there was no control. Uh, there was no real following the plan that we had. Uh, I tried to coach from the sideline. It just didn't, it just didn't always go as I thought it would. Um, we lost. Uh, we played okay, but we lost. I kind of got into a little conflict with the other coach. Uh, not really my fault. Uh, this time, it was not my fault. Um, just defending my, my players. Uh, but they had a hard time, right? They had an idea of what they wanted to do. I had an idea of what it was going to look like for them. But but as you know, our plans don't always work out. Uh, what you want for your life, where you want your life to go, uh, it just doesn't always happen. And I would guess that for most of you, uh, if you were younger, when you were younger, if you had an idea of what your life was going to look like, m- maybe now it doesn't really That there's happened. And so we're looking at this idea that there has been some hurts you've had, uh, that there's some hang-ups that you've just had a hard time getting through, or, or there's been some habits that you've formed in your life. And each one of those, the hurts, the hang-ups, the habits, are really keeping you from living a healthy life. A healthy life for yourself, uh, mentally, emotionally, uh, maybe even physically. It's keeping you from having healthy relationships, whether it's marriage or with your kids or friends, that there's things that have happened that are keeping you from being able to have that healthy life. And then habits, right? The, the habits that you have are either hindering you or helping you. Your habits are either hindering you from what God wants for you or they're helping you accomplish those things, the who God wants you to be. And so we're going to spend quite a bit of time actually looking at this. We're going to take a look at our, our hurts and our hangups and our habits and begin to really wrestle with those things and begin to ask God, okay, what are some things that we can do? What are some decisions? What are some choices that we can make that will help us to be healthier? And here's the danger as we look at this. There's a couple things. We looked at some of them last week, but, but I was just thinking this week. Here, here's one of the dangers as we begin to think about the hurts and the hangups and the habits in our lives. Is you may, on the outside, you may, from others looking at you, you may look like you have it all together. Uh, you, may, you may do well in business, you, you may do well, even your family may look like it's going well, but, but as I looked at last week, man, if you were able to just kind of open up and peel away and, and really begin to look at your life and your heart and your mind, are there some things that, that you just haven't ever worked through? 
Are there some things that have happened to you? Are there some things that you have done that maybe you've just never really been able to deal with? And because of that, it really is impacting other people. See, we, we could also believe this idea that if I just kept it inside, the hurts and the hangups and the habits, if I could just internalize and keep it in, then it really doesn't matter. But, but here's what I know to be true, is those things are impacting the people around you. You might be stiff-arming people and not allowing people to get in, that it's been difficult for you to build relationships because of those hurts, the things that have been done or said to you. Uh, maybe it's impacting your marriage or your job. Those things that are in you often come out. So you can hide and you can cover up and you can deny, but, but what I know to be true is those things impact us. And so here's really, here's the, let me, let me kind of ruin the sermon this morning. In the midst of those hurts and those hangups and habits, there can actually be hope. Right, so last week we, we looked at this idea that the first thing we have to do is just admit that we have this need and that, that we really can't figure it out on our own. Uh, we looked at what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is teaching, and, and, and as I said last week, he kind of calls this time out. Uh, he calls some people to follow him. He begins to heal these people. He's spending time with supposed to spend time with, and things are going really well. And he says, okay, before I get going too far, I, I need to teach some things. And so we have what's called the Beatitudes, and if you've grown up around church, uh, these might be new to you, but if you've grown up in church, I think the Beatitudes used to be this idea, this list of things that I need to aspire to be. Uh, they were like these virtues I needed to take on. But, but I think what Jesus is saying here is, here's who the kingdom of heaven is for. Uh, this is who gets uh, access to the king, to, to Jesus, to God. And we're going to see as we go through this that everyone has access. That as Jesus comes and he calls this time out, he says, look, uh, the good news is this is for all of you. And so we looked last week, Matthew 5, uh, 1 through 3. Uh, Jesus says this, when we saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach, saying, and here's what the first choice we looked at, is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, blessed or happy are those who realize that they are powerless without God. Uh, the other way you could say this is spiritually bankrupt. And we, we looked at this idea that you make a really poor God. I make a really poor God. That we need someone, we need God to intervene on our behalf. That we need God to help us as we work through those habits and hangups. And so we, we made that first choice. Some of you hopefully made that choice to say, okay, I do have a need. I have this need and I need God to to." says this in verse 4. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, I think it's really important that I explain, and, and even where we're kind of at as a, as a family, uh, the mourning that, that Jesus is talking about here is not the mourning of loss of someone. So blessed actually can also mean happy. And so Jesus is not saying happy are those who lose someone close to them. Um, he's not saying happy are those who lose relationships or lose jobs. That, that's not what, what Jesus is saying here. The mourning, I think, if you read all the, the, the scriptures around this and you look at the rest of the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying something very specific here. And he is saying this mourning, this sorrow that you experience are often from the decisions that you have made or the decisions that have been made around you. 
right, that you have experienced this grief or pain because of some of the decisions you have made. Look, let's just be honest. Some of the places you find yourself right now, some of the hurts and the hangups and the habits are just some, some of the choices that you've made. Not all of them, but, but if we're just honest, we could just say, look, I've made some poor decisions. I made choices and I have gotten myself to where I am today. And so Jesus is saying, when you begin to grieve those things, when you feel this sorrow for what you've experienced, done or what you've said or what have been, has been done or said to you, when you experience that sorrow, the reason that you can be happy is because there is a God who comforts you in the midst of those things. That he doesn't put a finger, not angry or mad at you, but he meets you where you're at in the midst of those things. And so as we begin to make these healthy choices and we begin to work through these things and we mourn and grieve the things that we've experienced, um, it might get kind of hard. Uh, when I meet with people and we look at relationships and I counsel people, I often tell them, look, this may get harder before it gets better. So as you begin to really peel away and you look at some of the things in your life, you begin to do some of the hard work of looking at those things, it might become difficult, but it's worth it. Like, I don't think if, I, if we set knee to knee and I asked you and I said, look, do you want to be healthy in your life? I don't think any of you would say no. I think all of you would say, yeah, I really want to begin to be healthy in my own heart and my own mind and in my relationships. And so how do we do that? How do we begin to be more healthy? And so we do that. The thing I want you to hold on to this morning is not only do you admit that you have a need, but the one who can meet that need is one who has power and gives you hope. Gives you hope that maybe your future could look different. Listen to this. It's in Romans 15.3 from a guy named Paul. He says this, may the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As you're reminded of the hurts and you begin to work through those things, may the God of hope, may the God of hope give you joy and peace in the midst of those things. May you not just have a little bit of hope, but would you overflow with hope, in belief that things could look different for you. And so I'm pleading with you today. I really am. I'm pleading with you today to have not give up in the midst of those things. As I talk about hurts, because we could probably make that list if I, if I said, look, what are the hurts in your life? You, you would have those things. Uh, if I said, what are the things that you have been unable to let go and just seem to always, you're always hung up on? You could tell me what those things are. Uh, the habits, look, we all have some unhealthy habits in our lives, the things that we turn to for different reasons. We all have those. And so in the midst of those, as you feel overwhelmed by those, what I would say is, would you just hold on to hope? Would you believe that the God of hope would give you joy and peace and so that your broken marriage or relationships could actually be healing in those things? The way your relationships have looked like, they don't have to look like that anymore. That maybe a broken relationship with a child or your parents can be healing there. That your struggles from your past, the things that you've done or have been done to you, that you can find healing. That your story isn't over. Your story isn't over. That you are breathing today and that is good news and you could find hope in that. I'm speaking out of my own experience. 
um, that even just a couple years ago, as I began meeting with a counselor and working through hurts from my past, things that I really hadn't paid attention to, uh, things that had been said to me or done to me, that, that I had masked those, that I had covered them up and I had just portrayed something myself that wasn't real. And, and I thought, nah, I'm okay. But then you just reach a point where you think, okay, I'm not okay. And we looked at that last week. And it's okay to not be okay. But there is hope that maybe things can get better. And so I want you to begin to work through this. And as the pain comes, as you experience pain, just understand that that is your body saying that something is wrong. Pain is a great way to understand that something is not right in your life. C.S. Lewis, a great author, said this. God whispers to us in our pleasures, but shouts in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a dead world. So as you go through pain, you'll have some choices to make. Uh, will you turn to some other things or will you begin to the God of hope? Would you stop and pay attention to what your body is telling, that what your mind is telling you, or maybe even what people are telling you? And as you experience those things, would you not deny it or mask it? Um, when I moved in uh, July, I, I was carrying some heavy things and a friend of mine who's a part of Trinity, Justin, was helping me move a refrigerator out of my basement. And I was on the bottom end of the refrigerator and it took us a while to get this refrigerator out of the basement. And almost immediately the next day, I began to feel some pain in my elbow. Uh, and I kind of thought, you know, it'll go away. It'll, it'll go away. I don't always go to doctors. I just like to complain that I don't feel good. And uh, that's for my wife. And so uh, I complain and, and I don't always like to go to the doctor. So I kept putting it off. I kept thinking, it'll get better. It'll get better. But it just got worse. And so I finally go to the doctor and do an MRI. And I do. I have a, a torn uh, ligament in my elbow. And as I meet with a the doctor, uh, they wanted to do a couple things. One of those was to give me a shot in my elbow a cortisone shot. And really what this cortisone shot was going to do is just eliminate some of that pain in the moment, some of the inflammation. But she said, the important thing is, is that you do physical therapy, right? You do the hard work to help repair what is torn. Um, that was the end of December. And I have not done one moment of physical therapy, right? And here's why, here's why, because the shot kind of took the pain away. Right? It helped in the moment. It helped temporarily. But now that it's been a little while, I'm starting to get the pain back again. And I have a choice to make. I can go back in and I can get another shot and just continue to mask the pain. Or I deal with it. I make some choices and I get healthy. And so in this series, I pray that you'll make some choices and then you'll get healthy. That your relationships in your future will look different because you're willing to put some of the hard work in. And so as we think about denying or not owning up to things, uh, would you just begin to see like the best thing you could do is to own it and to work through it? And there's some ways that can happen, some awareness of your pain. Uh, one is you're going to get to a crisis moment. You'll get to a crisis um, that things are not going well. And so you'll have a decision to make or there'll be a confrontation. And can I just encourage you? Um, it's always best to admit it's always best to own up to the things that are going on uh, than it is to get caught. And that can be in a lot of different things. Uh, I think healing is always easier when we state and admit what is going on in our lives. When we own it, I think healing comes quicker. 
And so let me, let me speak on the other side of this. Maybe you've worked through these things. Uh, maybe at some point in your life, you've recognized the, the hurts and the hangups and the habits and you've worked through them. Maybe you've gone to a counselor. Uh, maybe you've been set free from addiction and some of those things have happened. Um, there might be a part of your life, and I said this last week, uh, where your story helps someone else. Uh, the healing that you have found because you made some difficult choices, the healing that you have found because you've put the hard work in might help someone that is sitting around you. If you want to just tell your story, if you want to share uh, with, with the rest of us how you made some of those decisions, we'd love for that to happen. Just let me know that you want to share your story and I'd love for other people to, to hear it. But the other thing is in relationships, it might be you confronting someone else. Uh, like this comes through, and please, this is really, really important. Uh, this comes through relationships. Uh, this comes through love. Uh, this doesn't come from beating someone up. Uh, this comes from concern. And, and so listen, uh, Paul says this to a group of believers, uh, Galatians 6.1. He says this, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, gently, in love in kindness, in patience, that maybe you just say, look, I'm concerned about what I see in your life. I'm, I'm worried about maybe where you're headed. And you begin to confront someone, but you have to do it gently. The restoration that comes in someone's life is done through gentleness, not through being harsh or beating someone up. So for us, as we think about pain, it'll happen through crisis, maybe someone confronting us or at the worst, a catastrophe, right? You just finally hit rock bottom. Everything hits the fan and you have no choice but to begin to deal with what's going on in your life. And in all of that, there will be an option to cling to this God of hope. So last week, choice one is to say, I'm powerless to deal with this on my own. I admit it, I need God. I'm spiritually bankrupt. And this week is this idea that there's this power greater than me that gives me hope. And so you have to begin to plug into that power. Uh, I don't know if you, most of you probably have a cell phone. Uh, and, and if you're like me, you get down to the end where you are losing battery and you begin to stress and worry. Uh, and my wife and I are very different when it comes to how we charge our phones. Uh, I charge it once every day and a half or two days. I'll plug it in, I get a full charge, and then it dies at some point on me and I go back and I charge it in. Uh, charge it. My wife, on the other hand, is like, man, my battery is so low. It's at 80% and she keeps it almost always charged. She keeps it fully powered. And I'm like, I don't think that's really always good for your phone. But man, for her, she always wants to stay connected and she wants to make sure she has that power. And so for you, it is key during this time that you stay connected to God, that you stay connected to the one who will bring ultimate healing in your life, that you will never do this on your own power. You'll never do it, really, just by coming on Sundays, plugging in for the 45 minutes hour that we're here. It's just not enough. Like to stay plugged into what God is telling you and helping you. The God of hope is not one that we just every once in a while plug into, but that you would continually do that. Um, and so, again, take a Bible, download a Bible on your phone, do a reading plan. If you need help with that, I'd love to be able to help you set that up and work through that. Thursday mornings at six o'clock at Tony's Donuts. There's a group of guys right now studying scriptures. There's on Wednesday nights, there's a group, group of people. You can do it on your own, but, but I just want to tell you, stay connected.
stay connected to the God of hope. And as you do that, I hope a few truths come through for you. A few truths of who God is. The first one may seem obvious. As we think about this, this important truth of God that we have to begin to understand and believe. And the first one is this, that God exists. That God exists. Listen to this in Hebrews eleven six. It says this, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Uh, the message is a, a paraphrase. Uh, listen to uh, that version of it. It says this, Anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. So the first thing is that we just believe that he exists. And that doesn't mean that you have to know everything there is to know about God. To believe that he exists is not to say that I have God all figured out. It's just this belief that there is a God who will give me the power to get through what I'm going through. And then as you begin to believe, it's not just that you believe but you believe that that God that you're believing in cares deeply about you. That as you earnestly seek him, that you'll find him. So you're not alone. You're not alone in those hurts. You're not alone in those hangups. And you're definitely not alone in those habits. You're not alone. And so you believe he exists. And number two, that you matter to God. That you matter to God. What you believe about God matters. What you believe about God will determine how you approach God. If you think God is angry at you, if you're worried that God's going to figure something out about you that he doesn't already know, there, there will be this tendency to approach God differently. But if you believe that I can believe in God and when I go to God that he cares deeply for me and that he will help me when I seek him. So he knows your situation. He's not going to be surprised so as you think about, man, no one knows what I've gone through. God does. As you think about, no one knows the habits that I have and the, the dark or the secret that I've never did to anyone. God does. God knows the pain that you have experienced. He knows your anxieties. He knows those moments where you feel depressed. God knows. Nothing escapes the heart of God. And so Psalm 31, 7 says this, I'll be glad and rejoice in your love for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. Man, listen to that again. I'll be glad and rejoice in your love. I'll be thankful, God, that you love me. For you saw my affliction. You knew what I've gone through. You know what I'm going through right now, and you know the anguish that I experience in my soul. You know everything there is about me. Psalm 34, 18 says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. Are you brokenhearted? Has the pain got so hard that to even think about it or to speak about it just continually opens a wound and breaks your heart? God is near to you. I don't say that flippantly. I've experienced that. My family has experienced that over and over. And right now in those moments when you're in anguish, God is near to the brokenhearted. Those who are crushed in spirit, he is near to you. So he sees the best in you and he sees the worst in you. He sees when you do what you say you're going to do and he sees when you fail. And in both of those situations, you matter to him. He loves you. 
not only does he know you, but he cares. So not only does he know the situation, but he cares about what you're going through. God's affection towards you is not about your character or what you do, but it is based on his character and what he has done for you. It's not that you have a good enough life or that you've gotten to a point where now God cares about what you're going through. He has always cared. Uh, just briefly, one of my favorite passages is in John 4. And we have the situation where there's this woman at the well. Some of you are familiar with this story, but we have this woman who goes in the middle of the day to draw water. And there's lots of reasons for that. Uh, one is she has lived a certain life. Um, and, and I'm going to read into this and think that there's been a lot of pain that's happened in her life. There's a lot of pain. I'm going to guess there's some things that were done to her that have put her in this certain situation that have maybe even caused her to make the choices that she's made. And everyone knows who she is. And so she goes in the middle of the day. She just doesn't want to deal with the gossip. She doesn't want to deal with the looks. And so she goes alone in the middle of the day. And Jesus finds her at the well. And Jesus speaks to her. Uh, Jesus doesn't wait for the woman to ask who he is. Jesus speaks to the woman at the well. And he asks her for a drink of water. He basically says, hey, will you, will you pull some water from the well? I am thirsty and I need something to drink. Would you do that for me? And we see this interaction with the woman at the well in this conversation. And, and, and she basically begins to say, look, you're not supposed to be talking to me. We're not the same kind of people. You're a man and I'm a woman. You know, you're not supposed to, to speak to me. And then Jesus says this, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you a drink of living water. And so then the woman's like, look, you, don't, you were asking me for a drink. You don't have a bucket. How are you possibly going to get any water from this well? And then Jesus again says, anyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but anyone who drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then the woman at the well I believe, sarcastically answers him and says this, Sir, give me this water so that I will never get thirsty again and have to keep coming here to draw water. She's like, yeah, uh, you say there's this water that I'll never get thirsty for? Yeah, give me some of that. And here's where Jesus knows the woman's situation. He knows why she's there by herself in the middle of the day. Uh, she knows that he knows that she's ashamed that she's broken and she's had pain. He knows her situation and he cares. And this is his response to her. He says this, go call your husband and come back. And she responds, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. He says, look, I know your situation. I care about your situation and I'm offering something to you. And he says, I'm even going to tell you what I know about you. And then her response is this. I see that you're a prophet. I know you can tell about my past. And she says this, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus just says, I know everything you've experienced. I know the choices you've made. I know the pain that you've experienced. And then she says, she basically begins to question how worship is supposed to look. So if we were to use our own language, 
Uh, it would be like you being confronted by the truth of your past by Jesus. And then you said, hey, does it matter what I wear to church on Sundays? Does it matter the style of music that we do? And she immediately begins to deny what God has just said. She doesn't want to deal with hurt and the brokenness in her life. Because Jesus just said, I know I'm offering you water. I'm offering you the gift of grace and love. And she says, yeah, 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 but what about this? And she says, in the end, there's going to be the Messiah who comes. And Jesus' response to that is, I who speak to you am he. Look, the one you need, the one you desire is right in front of you. I know your situation and I care. I stopped at the well to speak to you, to offer you hope and healing in the midst of your pain. The hurts and the hangups and the habits that you've experienced, I'm offering you hope and healing. And the same is for you and for me. That God knows your situation and he cares. You have to make some choices. You have to admit that you have a need. You have to no longer deny it or mask it and believe that God will give you power and strength to see it through. And so that's the third thing, is that you have to believe that there is a power that God has. That maybe your situations could look different. That your life, what it has looked like, doesn't have to look like that forever. Listen to what Paul says to another group of, of Christians. Uh, Ephesians 1, 18 through 19 says this, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. There is a power that God possesses where the impossible becomes possible. Look, I've seen it in some of your lives. I've seen the addictions that have been broken when you finally say, look, I need help. I've seen healing come in marriages and relationships when you begin to rely on the hope and power that God Gives. I've seen some of you who have worked through the pain of your past, who have begun to wrestle and open up and expose the things that have happened, and there's been healing that has come. There is hope and power that comes from God. God is about making the impossible possible. We see that in the scriptures where the blind begin to see, that the paralyzed walk, that the mute begin to speak. We see it over and over as Jesus interacts with people that he brings healing to their lives. And it wasn't something that he did 2,000 years ago, but he still does it now. That healing can come in your life and you get to begin to make some choices for that to happen. Uh, Greg's going to come forward and he, as he does, I just want to remind you. One, choice one, admit that you have it. Admit that you have this pain, that you have a hurt or a hang up or a habit and you need God to intervene on your behalf that you can no longer do it on your own. And then the second choice is that you believe that God is the one who will give you hope and power to get through whatever it is. That you don't have to do it alone. A real simple next step for some of you is just to admit that to God. Just in your seat as Greg starts to just play a little bit, would you moments just maybe just confess to God that you have that need? that you've been trying to figure out all these other ways to mask or to not deny or to deal with those things. But that maybe today that you would recognize that there's hope because of what God has done on your behalf. That Jesus would help you get through those 
things that you don't have to do it on your own. Would you submit that need to God? And then maybe the second thing is, is that you would tell someone. Uh, the scriptures say that forgiveness comes when we confess to God, but healing comes when we confess to one another. That maybe this week as we begin to work through these healing choices, that maybe you'd find someone and you would just admit to someone, look, I've had these things in my life that I'm working through. Can I just share those things with you? And then on the receiving end, if someone does, would you just listen? Look, God is the one that has the power. Uh, God is the one we find our hope in. It's not you. So would you just listen? Would you pray for them? Would you speak them and encourage them? As you would receive maybe someone sharing with you something that's going on in their life. But maybe would you just take that step? Would you admit to God and then maybe share with someone, look, there's some things that you're working through. And maybe they would just start to pray with you and for you. Look, could today be the day? I've just had this sense of urgency lately. Right? Maybe we could be healthy. Maybe we could find healing. Maybe relationships could look different. Today. Don't wait. Don't wait. We just pray and we sing this together.